kids, thanks for joining us in worship today. That was so much fun, huh? That was so much fun. You know, my son was uh, drawing a little bit. That's one of the ways um, he enjoys to ex express himself. Do I have any artists in the crowd today? Anybody like to draw or paint? Or you consider yourself an artist. I don't know, nobody else does, you know, but you are, right? You sing in the shower. And it's so cool um, because today I get to share a word about relationships. And I was just watching him draw. And I said, son, what's on this uh, piece of paper? And you can't see it. But he was drawing a church in the city of Pittsburgh, spelled P-I-S-B-R-G. And uh, it's beautiful. And isn't it cool? Isn't it cool that we're a church full of families? We're a church of families. You're not here by happenstance this morning. If you're joining us online, we're, we're so glad you're here in whatever capacity you can be. And one thing I know about people is that none of us have all healthy relationships. Am I right? Relationships are tough. Relationships are tough. And there's a lot of kind of pain in life. There's physical, mental, emotional, even spiritual pain. But I would share with you today that I believe the worst of all pain is relational. That's the pain that's the worst. And relationships aren't just healthy or broken. There's a lot of gray area between. They're messy, right? Because people are messy. People are messy. And so if you have any challenges in relationships today, uh, this message is for you. And it's for me too. Welcome to Travelers Church. My name is Pastor Wes. It's such a privilege uh, that you've joined us today in the room and online. Uh, we just are graced by your presence. We're so thankful that you're here. And we believe that the spirit of Jesus has a unique word specifically for you today. I hope you're ready to hear it. We've been uh, at our church recently answering the biggest question we could possibly ask about how we grow in our relationship with God. And this is what the question is. How do we take someone who's just starting a journey with Jesus, or maybe hasn't even started yet, and make them into a fully developed disciple who makes disciples? That is, how do we learn how to follow Jesus and take other people with us? And the answer to that question is the traveler's path. Uh, you can see what that looks like. There's five habits in this image. And I believe if you'll do these things on repeat, you'll have a more enjoyable and fulfilling life. We just finished up uh, talking about what it means to worship wholeheartedly. In week one, you can go back and, and listen to it and watch it, um, how to have a, a private and a public walk with Jesus, that you're fulfilled on your own and you're uh, worshiping out of the overflow together. Uh, we looked at how to start a relationship with him as well. And, and last week, Josh brought a wonderful message on prayer, how to communicate with God and hear from him. And I got to join you guys online last week, which was so much fun. A uh, big shout out to our production team making that possible. And so today we're jumping into habit number two. Everybody say number two. Number two. To connect intentionally. To connect intentionally. And this is the one where we get into relationships. Over the next three weeks, we're going to learn how to have healthy relationships. Then how to solve problems when we hit some roadblocks. And then practically how to apply that to a lot of different spheres of life. 
If you look around the room, you know, we're in a lot of different places in life. Uh, some of us are, uh, you know, young kids that just walked back there, and some of us are, are single, and some of us are in college or school of different kinds. Some of us are just starting out a career to young parents, to parents with students, to empty nesters, to all sorts uh, of different stages of life. We got some grandparents in the house. Thank God for you. We need your help. And wherever you're at today, we want to set the tone by exploring foundations for thriving relationships. Foundations for thriving relationships. And to do that, we're going to open up God's word, and we're going to need God's help. So why don't you bow your heads with me? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your holy word this morning. We recognize that it is pointing to the person of Jesus. We understand relationships were your idea. That's why you created us, to know you and be known by you and enjoy you forever. What a life. And yet, many days, that's not what our lives look like. It's tough, it's messy, it's broken. By your grace this morning, we come to you and ask you for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. There's several things I'm going to share this morning, but there's one preliminary idea, and if I skipped over it, we would be amiss. And it's that finding your identity in Christ brings fulfillment and freedom. You can't have a healthy relationship until you've been found in Christ. You've got to find your identity in Christ for fulfillment and freedom. And here's why. If you don't, I know what's going to happen. You'll be self-centered and unsure. If you don't have your identity in Christ, you're like a boat off its moorings. You're like a person untethered, floating around looking for satisfaction. Some of you are doing this right now. Some of you have been there before and you say, thank God I found my identity in Christ. And some of us found our identity and we still feel a little shaky sometimes, right? If you'll find your identity in Christ, you'll find fulfillment and freedom. But if you don't, you'll be thinking about yourself too much and you'll be unsure of yourself, searching for satisfaction and meaning and fulfillment in relationships that aren't the key relationship that will bring you that. And so that's our foundational truth. I see that in John 14, verse 6. Jesus says, I am. Everybody say, I am. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He goes on later that chapter 18 to 20. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. Listen to the family language here. I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you, you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that, listen to this, I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now some of you that have come from a religious background, but you haven't heard the Jesus that I'm preaching about before, this is very confusing, isn't it? Even for those of us who have heard this before, this is a weird verse. You've got to find your identity in Christ. And what Jesus is saying is, this is not a religion you adhere to, a church that you attend, a family you eat dinner with, 
something that you just merely believe or something that you come to understand. This is a family that you are a part of. This is a relationship inside of you. It's not external. Jesus says, he is in the Father, the Father is in him, and we are in Christ. That is a close relationship. And it's very different from mere religion. We want to walk into a relationship in our church today and out in our community, all of our relationships in your family and coworkers and neighborhoods. We want to walk in to contribute, but ultimately not just to the other person. We want to contribute to the kingdom of God. And that's where we're going to go to. Uh, I'm going to share three preliminary truths about how to become a healthy person and then five truths about how to have healthy relationships. Is that all right? Three things on how to be a healthy person. I'm going to go ahead and give you the cheat sheet. You don't even have to wait. Check these three out. Just throw all three of them up. First, you've got to discover your identity in Christ. I already said that, but some of you might not know what that means yet or what that even is. We've got to discover your identity in Christ. Secondly, we now have a responsibility after that discovery. We have to do something daily. We have to walk in the freedom of Christ. Now, that's pretty good. You know who you are. And you know what you're supposed to do today, but do you know where you're going? No, we've got to discover God's purposes for your life. Now, this is a healthy person. A person who knows Jesus is walking with him and knows which way he's going. That's a healthy person. Let me explain what these three things mean. I skipped over today. If you need a, a copy of God's word, this is our favorite thing to give away. And they're in the back of the room here. Uh, you can hop up and get one. You won't disturb anybody. Or after the service today, we'd love to give you that. Galatians 2 verse 20 says this about our identity. We were just singing about this, and, and it's an odd truth. Uh, so if you think this is weird, you're not alone, but I'm gonna explain it. This is what Galatians 2.20 says. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, that is my body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's what that means. God loves you immeasurably, infinitely. It can't be counted. It can't be compared. God loves you. He created you for a unique and a beautiful purpose. There's nobody just like you. There's no story just like yours. And there's no one God loves just like he loves you. But we've messed up our life. And because we have broken God's law for our life, our sin makes us separated from him. In the riches of God's love, he sent his one and only son, Jesus the Christ, to die on a cross, the death that we deserved. He died in our place, but three days later, he rose from the grave. And because he lives, we now can live forever. We can be reunited with God, fulfilling our original purpose of worshiping God and enjoying him forever with our brothers and sisters in the household of God. How do we do that? by believing in Jesus and saying, I will follow him as my Lord from now on. And so Paul is sharing this scripture here today. If you wanna discover your identity in Christ, he's saying, 
I've been crucified with Christ. That's a hard teaching. What he's saying is, just like Jesus spread his arms out for me, I realize my life's not about me anymore. I need to go in the same grave that Jesus did so that I can get back up and live the life he's called me to. Do you see this baptismal over here? I don't know if I'm going to mess up the cameras. I might. But we've got this tub over here, right? And when we send someone down into the water, baptism is not what saves you. It's a reflection of what's happened in your life. And it says we're buried with Christ in baptism and we're raised to walk in the newness of life in Romans 6, 4. So Paul says to discover your identity in Christ church, what we have to do first is know that Jesus loves us and gave himself up for us. And therefore, I'm going to identify with him in his death and in his resurrection because my life's not about me anymore. See, if your life's about you, it's going to be hard to have fulfilling relationships because you're always going to be thinking about what you need and not the other person. And the way God's wired you is to actually love someone else so much, in fact, everyone else so much, that you treat them like Jesus treated you, where he didn't think about what he needed, he thought about what you needed. And he met your greatest need upon the day he died and rose. In Galatians 4, 4 through 6, it continues. It says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Daddy, God, Abba, Father. See, if you didn't know this today, if you find your identity in Christ, what that means is you're adopted as a son or a daughter of the Most High God, never to be cast out, never to be thought of as an outsider again. And if you didn't know this, you can't be born that way. You have to enter in by faith. And so if you've been going through the motions of religion, if you've been in a church for a while, if you've been reading your Bible and, you, and you're not exactly sure what it all means, what I'm telling you today is that there's a moment in time where you are redeemed, where you're born again, where you're brought from death to life, where you pass from disconnected to completely connected. There's a moment in time when you move from orphan to adopted, when you move from outsider to heir in the kingdom of God. And I wonder if you've had that moment. If not, the best thing you can take away from this sermon today is that you need to find your identity in Christ, amen? We've got to find that identity, and I, I have to remind you of that. Some of you have that, but you need to remember. If you want to have a healthy relationship, this is where it all starts. Second, we've got to walk in freedom in Christ. It says in Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Everybody say freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. What is it talking about? It's talking about there's things in each of our lives that hold us back. Am I right? There's things in our lives that trip us up, that mess us up. They mess up our relationships. They mess up our mindset. They mess up our jobs. They mess up the way we think about ourselves, even. We get confused about our identity when we walk in sin. We get confused about our relationship with God when we behave in a way that we're not like sons and daughters. When we walk as outsiders, as disconnected people, we start to feel like that. So you've got to gain an identity in Christ, but then you've got to walk in it. And I'm not sharing it because I want you to do something. I'm sharing it because I want you to be healthy. 
And so if you don't walk in the way that Jesus has called you to, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus, you're not going to feel connected to him. And third, to be a healthy person, we've got to discover God's purposes for your life. It says, uh, after such a famous passage, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, the very next verse, I love to point out, it says, for we are his workmanship, that is his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Tell your neighbor, say, you're special. Tell them, go ahead and tell them. There's nobody just like you, I'm telling you. There's nobody just like you. You're special. You're not just a a person that's sitting here. You're not just a number in a crowd. You're not just a person watching online. You're special. You're God's handiwork. He didn't make a mistake. He knows what you're dealing with right now. He's trying to draw you into a new identity in Christ. He's trying to help you walk in the freedom of that identity he purchased by his blood for you. And he wants you to know which way he's calling you to go. Because if you're special and if you're his handiwork, that means that he has specific instructions for you. I wonder if you know what they are. Some of you are probably wrestling through uh, some of you college students who say, man, I don't know about this degree program I'm in, right? I hope this is going to work out. Some of you did the college thing and you got a job now and you say it didn't work out. (laughs) I need some specific instructions. I'm pretty dense. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit loves to talk to you. The Spirit of Jesus would love to give you specific instructions this morning. I wonder if you know what they are. Now we can move to how to have a healthy relationship. We could have just talked about that today, but if you're not a healthy person, you're not going to have a healthy relationship with another person. Amen? Let's get our identity. Let's walk in freedom. Let's find God's purpose. Now I know whose I am. I know what I'm doing, and I know where he's taking me. We have to wholeheartedly worship to gain this identity. If you have any doubt in your mind, I'd love to speak with you after our service today and pray with you so you have clarity on that identity today. Now we get to shift from me to we. We have to connect intentionally. This is our strategy on our traveler's path to be healthy people that are a part of a healthy church to connect intentionally. And before I share these five things with you, I want to give you one idea that God himself came up with before he even wrote this book. You might say, what was God doing before he wrote this book? Great question. Did someone ask me? They did. I'm so glad that you did. God expressed himself in connection before he wrote his word. He did so in the Trinity. We worship one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. This is confusing. If you're confused, you're not alone. But this is what we see revealed in God's word. We know that from eternity past, the Son was involved in creation. It says all things were created through him and for him. And in in him, all things hold together. It said that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God the Father is self-expressed as creator in the book of Genesis. We know that God is one. He said this of himself, and yet there are three persons. And what am I getting at? We're going to talk about healthy relationships now. God showed us 
the number one defining characteristic of a healthy relationship, let me tell you what it is. It is oneness. Oneness. And oneness expresses itself through love. The Apostle Paul, uh, we're going to, in a couple weeks, go back to this passage from Ephesians 5. He compares the Trinity to marriage. He says the mystery is profound. He says, if you're confused, we're in good company. But what he's saying is that before God created you, he was happy in community. He was happy in family. He was happy in a connection of complete unity and oneness. That is the goal of marriage. That is the goal of all of our relationships. And if you've ever been in any relationship, which if you're breathing, you have, you know that is hard. It is hard. In fact, uh, if you aren't one with Christ, it's going to be very hard to be one with your wife, one with anybody else. And that's why oneness is the primary subject of Jesus's longest prayer for you. I don't know if you've ever read John chapter 17, the gospel of John. There's a prayer from Jesus recorded, and it's not just for some people out there. It's got your name in it. Jesus specifically was praying for his followers that day and his future followers. That's you. That's you. If you've got an identity in Christ today, Jesus prayed for you. Do you know what he said? He said in verse 11, he says, I'm no longer in the world, but they, they are in the world. I'm coming to you. He's talking to his father. And he says, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you've given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. In verse 20, he says, I don't ask just for these people in front of me today, but I ask for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us, church. That's us. I ask for those who will believe that they may be what? One. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I have given to them so that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly, how many times does he have to say it? One so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me even as you loved me. Church, what I'm trying to say today is to have healthy relationships. If you want to gauge what's going to happen, I'm going to give you very practical words, but if you boil it down to one thing, it's just oneness. It's connection to Christ. When you are in relationship with a person who's also in relationship with Jesus as you are, you can attain a level of oneness that the world has no idea, the world has never seen. You can be totally in one accord. That's what it's going to be like in heaven when we don't think about ourselves too much anymore. We don't think about me and and my and my preferences and desires. We only think about loving God and loving people. It's the greatest commandment, is it not? And so oneness is not mere agreement about a decision. It's not just thinking the same way. It is valuing one another more than your personal distinctions. And so I'm so glad you're here today because you represent a distinction. And you know what's so beautiful? We can be so different in this room and still live as one because we have one Savior, one Lord, one baptism, one faith, and there's one name that unites us all, Jesus. So let's look at five practical points 
you might want to write these down. I, I, I will let loose this week. And I said, okay, Lord, you know I'm more comfortable staying in one place in Scripture and just running from that. I said, give me your whole counsel and help me share with them what a healthy relationship really looks like. And he gave me five words that you can apply to your life. Now, if you skip past that first part, don't do it. Get the identity in Christ, walk in freedom, discover your purpose, because if you go into a relationship before doing all that, what if he causes you to change directions after you start that relationship? So you want to get married. Well, you get the girl, you get the guy, you get married, and now your direction changes. Uh Uh-oh, that's going to be a problem. Let's get the identity, the walk, and the purpose first. Now it's time for relationships. The first key to have a healthy relationship, thriving relationship, is to find continual fulfillment in Christ and not others. This one's just a touch redundant. I've been sharing about this for a while. But if I go past it, you'll be missing it. you got to find continual fulfillment in Christ and not others. Feel free to take a picture of that. There's a lot of scripture today, so I, I told the guys, I said, don't put it all up there. They'll just be flip, flip, flip. So let me share what these scriptures are with you. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will supply every need. Everybody say every need. Every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That means your neighbor can't supply your need. Your girl, your guy can't supply your need. Your kids, your parents can't supply your need. Your boss, your subordinate, your coworker, they can't supply. They can't supply your need. My God will supply all your needs in the riches, in the glory of Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, that's request, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You've got to give him your stuff. Don't go dump it on your neighbor. You've got to find continual fulfillment in Jesus. If you're unhappy today, your spouse will not fix it. If you're unhappy today, your coworkers can't fix it. Only Jesus can fix it. You've got to find continual fulfillment in him. Now, this is a daily practice. 1 Peter 5, verse 7, we have to cast all our anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. You're not going to wear Jesus out by taking all your junk to him every day. He's just fine. He's ready for it. He will do a beautiful exchange for you and take the thing that's heavy on your shoulders and put a yoke of kindness on you. He will bind you to himself with kindness that when you plow, you wake up to go about your life. You walk recognizing he's kind and gentle and lowly towards you. But if you do that to those around this room, you're gonna wear each other out, amen? Yeah, we gotta find fulfillment in Christ and not others. From the day we were created, there's been a God-sized vacuum that only Jesus can fill. And so daily and continually, we've got to find fulfillment in him. Next, let's turn our attention to our mindset, our thinking. How do we have healthy relationships in our minds? Check this out. We've got to shift from self-centered to empathetic, self-centered to empathetic. This, is, uh, this denotes humility. We're not thinking uh, less of ourselves, but we're thinking of ourselves less. This is not to put yourself down. It's not to be self-deprecating. It's to say, it's not about me. It's not about me. 
I want to think about you. I want to I learn what's going on in your heart and in your life so I can love you better. That's how we ought to be with each other in our mindset, in our thinking. It says in Romans 12, 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Take it to the next level in your relationship. Be the first one to affirm and encourage. Be the first one to ask a loving question to learn about somebody. Be the first one to think about what the other person's wrestling with instead of dumping your stuff on them. Take your stuff to Jesus and then go to your person that you're supposed to love and, and figure out how to feel what they feel. Get in their shoes. Philippians 2, 3 through 4, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. This is not the way of the world, is it? Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Now, again, he's not saying completely neglect yourself. If you don't feed yourself, you're going to starve. It says love your neighbor as yourself. So love yourself, but love them even more. Take a notion from yourself that when you're hungry, you feed yourself. And therefore, when the person you're supposed to love is hungry, you help them go to the food. You help them get to the one who can meet all their needs and you're empathetic instead of thinking too much about yourself, amen? Let's move into how this affects our mouth and our ears. Go ahead and grab your ear to help you remember this. Now this is very important in our relationships. Somebody said we got two ears, one mouth. I think that's for like depth perception and stuff, but it's a good point, we ought to listen. We ought to listen more than we speak. We've got to shift from assuming understanding to loving listening. And my wife, Lexi, said, ing, 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 that is too many ings, I'm confused. And then she, she knew what it meant. And I said, well, I can't really, it's too late. Adam's already, you know, put this on the screen. If you assume you understand somebody, you're never going to learn. If you think you know what someone's thinking, you'll never ask the right questions. Don't assume you understand someone. Love them enough to listen. Now, this is a really really important shift. When you fight, some of you couples, when you fight, I know what happens. You talk first. You don't ask. You don't listen. You tell. That's what we do, isn't it? That's what we do when we fight. We go in and say, you said this, I did that, blah, blah, blah. Don't assume you understand. Love them enough to listen. Now, you might need some more practical tools than I can give in a sermon for how to do that. Amen? You might need some brothers and sisters to uh, come help us. We fight bad. We fight bad, you know? I need some help. And that's good. That's good. We can do that. But what I would say is if you'll shift your mindset from self-centered to empathetic, how can I learn you so I can love you? And then you control your mouth and open your ears and don't assume you get it. Instead, ask. Help me understand what's going on in your life right now. Help me understand what's challenging in our relationship to you right now. And don't say a word, just listen. And I don't wanna just apply this to, to romantic relationships. You can apply this in parenting really good. So you say, my, my, my son's only six, surely I get it. Nope, nope, I have no idea what's going on in his heart. I'm not him. Just because he's my boy doesn't mean I know everything about him. I know him pretty well, but I've got to ask, Silas, what caused you to do that? 
Why did you decide to make that decision? What caused you to say that, son? We can apply this in every relationship. Shift from assuming understanding to loving listening. We've got to become an inquisitive, compassionate learner. There are some scriptures that talk about this. Proverbs 18, 13. If a person gives an answer before he hears, it's his folly and shame. James 1.19, know this, beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Notice it flowed from identity to action. Beloved, you're beloved, so listen up. You are loved, so in your journey to love one another, listen, be slow to speak. Colossians 3, 12 to 14, put on then, do you remember the coat I had up here? Back in, what was it, November or December? Put on, put on. It's not natural. Every day you've got to put this attitude on if you're in Christ. Put on then as God's chosen ones, identity to action. You're chosen, you're holy and beloved. So put this on, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. Oh, that's hard work, isn't it? Bearing with one another. I don't want to, Pastor. You know, I'm tired of it. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect oneness. In perfect harmony. The ultimate goal of relationships. I want to exemplify for you how Jesus speaks with you. Not, not me and not even just his word as a whole. Did you know that Jesus asked some specific questions? I, I think more closely I should say God uh, because it comes from sort of different members of the Trinity here. But there's five questions and Beth Moore popularized this in a, in a devotion series a while back and it impacted me. I thought it was really good. Where, who, what, why, and how? Did you know all of those are in God's word? In Genesis 3, 9, uh, Adam and Eve had messed up. They had sinned, and God said, where are you? This is a foundational clarifying question to shake them to their senses. Where are you? Where are you? Who told you that in Genesis 3, 11? Because the serpent had deceived them and told them a lie. And God said, did that come from me? Or did it come from your experience in this broken world that I'm going to fix one day? What are you seeking? In John chapter 138, Jesus sees people following him around and they say, can we stay with you? And he says, but what are you seeking? What are you looking for here? See, Jesus knows, doesn't he? God, know, God knew where they were. He knew who told them that. Jesus knew what they were seeking, but he asked anyways. Why? Because he loves you. When you love someone, you ask them things. When you love someone, you listen first. We don't assume we understand. Even the God of the universe that knows every thought you've ever imagined still asks you questions. Matthew 8, 26, the sea was rocking and the boat was turning and he said, why are you afraid? Did you forget who I am? Did you forget who you're one with in relationship? And in Luke eleven thirteen, 13, he says, the people of this world, they give good gifts to their children. How much more do you think your father will give good things to you? Because he loves you and has good plan for you. Jesus shares these questions through his word with us. 
And so we ought to do the same thing in our relationships. The fourth thing today is time to shift to our actions. So this is where the rubber meets the road. It's our hands. We've got our mindset. We've got our speech and our hearing. And now we're moving to actions. How do we have thriving relationships? We've got to shift from a consumer to a contributor. We've got to shift from a consumer to a contributor. In other words, don't be a leech. Don't be a leech. I don't want to put it too crass. I don't want to offend anybody, but sometimes I got to step on toes a little bit. Here's the thing. You guys know it. There's some people that just wear you down. There are some people that when you're around them, you say, man, I need some me time after that. (laughs) You know, I got to prepare for that beforehand and afterwards, right? They wear you out. There's other people you hang out with. They build you up. They, 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 they make you, you have more energy after you stayed up too late talking to them. You know, you're energized by their presence. Their, their passion and their love for you, it just fills your cup, doesn't it? And so we want to be that type of person, amen? We want to be a person that comes into a relationship not to take but to give, not to receive but to contribute, right? Galatians 6 verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It didn't say heap your burdens on somebody else. It didn't say go drop all of your most difficult thoughts on your brother every day, on your spouse every day. No, 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 no. You go and say, what can I take off of your shoulders? Because I'm putting all the stuff on my shoulders on Jesus. And so I'm feeling light. And so when I walk into a relationship, I actually have help for you because I've been responsible with my weight. Now, ultimately, you can't carry something for somebody else for long. You got to help carry them to Jesus and say, try this one out. Put your burdens over here. But it does sit here and say, bear one another's burdens. Bear that together. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, he was in jail writing this, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Listen to what that looks like. Listen to these descriptive ways of how you walk out your journey with Jesus. It says, with all humility and gentleness. That is not a word I see in the world much today. We are brash and fast and self-centered. What if we were different? Humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another in love. Remember my big idea, the one word? Eager to maintain the what? Unity. It's not on the screen, so you can't do it. You're going to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's good stuff, huh? That's good stuff. That's what we're going for. And in Mark 10, 42 to 45, Jesus calls his disciples and he said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. They hold it over their heads. The great ones, they exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. You're going to be different. And those in church today, those in the future, they're going to be different. Listen to how you were called to live, church. This is what it says. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave to all. For even the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, his own words, came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Jesus owed us nothing and loved us fully. So he came to be a contributor, to contribute what you could not to the relationship, what I could not. And he can't be a consumer because I have nothing to give him. All I can do is receive from Jesus and then be a contributor towards you. All you can do is receive from Jesus, casting all your burdens on him, finding your greatest need met of salvation, walking in that freedom, discovering God's purpose for your life. And when you enter into a relationship saying, I'm here to help, I'm here to love as I've been loved. I'm here to serve as I've been served. I'm here to help you because I love you like Jesus loved me. I want to apply this in the church. Pastor Robbie Gallaty gave five thoughts, uh, they're really quick, about how to be a contributor, not a consumer in the church. And so that's one of the aspects of our relationships. I primarily want to help you in, in the ways that after this is over, what are you going to do? But let me share his words because I thought they were really good. He says, we need to shift from spectator to participant. So you're not coming here to watch a show. You're, 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 and not just Sundays, in small groups during the week, every aspect of the church, we want to shift from spectator, a person who's gaining something just for us, to be a participant. Say, I'm engaged, I'm involved, I'm invested. We want to shift from cisterns to store truth to channels that bestow blessing. That is, the water's flowing. I don't want to be a dead-end well. I want to be a river connected to the river of life. And so everything that flows into me, I know it's not just for me, it's gonna come through me for someone else too. Oh, it waters my soul, but it's still got somewhere to go. Third, we've gotta shift from critical in preferences to appreciative of God's work. Critical in preferences to appreciative of God's work. See, not everything's gonna be the way you want it here or anywhere, right? My gosh, it's not, even in my own life, it's not the way I want it to be all the time, right? In my own family, I say, man, we always got stuff to work on, right? In my house, I mean, who's got a honey-do list, right? That never ends. It's always changing. And then there's a new leak because my house is 130 years old. It's older than Jesus. And the, so the thing is, we've got to make sure we're not critical in preferences, but we're appreciative of God's work. So we walk in with a positive attitude. That's one thing I love about our staff. They are God positive. They believe God can do anything. And so they walk in with a positive attitude, say, what's God gonna do today? How am I gonna partner with him? We can do it. And I love being in relationship with positive people that are not too critical. We gotta shift from a come and get to a go and serve mindset. That's part of why we called it Traveler's Church, because we're not waiting for people to come to us. And by the way, if you came here today, I know we've got a ton of first-timers today. If you came here today because you saw a sign or uh, you know, Google or something like that, I'm, I'm super glad. But actually, what we hope is that someone invited you. We really hope that someone's been investing in you. And we hope you become a person that can do that for others. It's our goal to go and find people and take Jesus to them right where they're at, not just wait for them to come to us. And fifth, we've got to shift from taking care of yourself to pouring out for others. From taking care of ourselves to pouring out with others. We're at the final point now. This one is a little bit different though. What have we learned today? We've got to find first, discover your identity in Christ. Everybody say identity. Everybody say walk, walk. 
Now we're going to walk in freedom, right? And then third, we're going to discover our purpose. Everybody say purpose. Identity, walk, purpose. Now we've got to find continual fulfillment in Christ and not others. Secondly, we've got to shift in our mindset from self-centered to empathizing with people. Third, we've got to shift in our speech, communication, listening from assuming we understand someone to loving listening. Fourth, we shift from consumer to contributor in our actions. It's not about what I get here. It's about what I give here. And most of you have something you <laughs> to work on already. But some of you, some of you might be saying, so what's the end game here? Pastor, where are we going to go after that? And I would just tell you, church, this, I say this, I'm risking something here. Because some of you might go out and say, that just went way over my, over my head. My relationship's such a mess. I got plenty to work on. And like, I'm glad. But, but listen, let's say your relationship's going pretty good. Let's say you're doing all right. I got my identity. I'm walking it out. I'm not perfect, but you know, I'm walking in freedom. I know which way I'm going. I've got purpose. I'm doing pretty good. Now I'm doing that with somebody else. And I'm not throwing my stuff on them. I'm taking it to Jesus and so I'm finding fulfillment in Jesus. I'm listening to them. I'm compassionate to them. I don't assume, you know, uh, I'm contributing. I'm not consuming. You're doing all that. And you say, what's the end game? Here's the last point today. Bring your relationship to God in order to be a blessing to the world. If you want to connect intentionally in the family of God, let me show you the whole point. Bring your relationship to God in order to be a blessing with the world. The Abrahamic promise is in Genesis 28, 14. It says, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Jesus expounds upon this in the New Testament in the Gospels and said that if you're in Christ, you are part of the children of Abraham. This promise is for you. This promise is for us. God created you not just to be happy in relationship, although he certainly did that, but he created you to together for us to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. We're so tied up with brokenness, we've missed the blessing. And if we'll get healthy, then we can be blessing bearers, blessing spreaders. Acts 3.25 is another place it's referenced. It says, you are the sons of the prophets and the covenant that God made with your fathers. He was talking to the ones that were actually Jewish that literally came from the line of Abraham, not spiritually. I'm a Gentile. I'm not from this background, right? I've been grafted in by Jesus. And it says, in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Listen to how he clarifies what that means. God, having raised up his servant, sent him, Jesus, to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. The greatest blessing that we as a church family can ever give to all the families of the earth is to take Jesus and his gospel to them. 
Upon receiving that, they will go through this process I just led us through. They will find an identity. They will walk in freedom. They will discover purpose. And then they will go through these shifts into healthy relationships who then replicate the process of becoming a blessing to all the families of the world. That's what I want us to become. The ultimate result of any healthy relationship or healthy family is to become a blessing by sharing Jesus. And so as we commit our relationships to God, he accomplishes this promise through us to connect Jesus to every person's journey. Amen? That's a little bit of a reach, you know, because so many of us, we're hung up on messy relationships. We can't even think about that. Am I right? Like, dude, I'm not there. And by the way, your pastor's got problems. (laughs) I got to work on my relationships every day, okay? I get it. But this is where we're going. You want to come? I do. I want to get here. And so let me leave you with three shifts in our evaluation. How do we evaluate relationships? Here's the new measuring stick. Check this out. If you've got a great marriage, evaluate your marriage not by how great it is, but by how much, by how great it blesses the world. So I'm so happy, my marriage, so, how much does your marriage bless the world? If you've got a great company, evaluate it not by your profit margins, but by how richly it blesses the world. My bottom line's great. Yeah, but what's your blessing like? If you've got a great friendship, this one might tug at you a little bit. If you've got a great friendship, evaluate it not by how much you enjoy each other. Oh, that's great. I'm glad. But by how much blessing your friendship extends to others. Is your friendship a friend to the families of the world? Or are you happy and content? And even in the context of something beautiful that God created you for, you've become self-centered. We have to shift from thinking about relational health as the finish line to the starting point of fruitfulness. We've got to shift from thinking about relational health as the finish line to the starting point of fruitfulness. I want to invite the band to come back up, and they're going to lead us in a time of worship and response. That's a reach. That's a reach right there. That's hard. Is is it just me? That's hard. Because if you took my life and you guys knew everything about all my relationships and then you evaluated me, there would be things that need to be fixed. And the same would happen with you, right? Say, man, I hope something grows from this because it looks like a mess. We want to get to where we're satisfied in Christ. So we walk into healthy relationships and then we take that relationship and we say, Jesus, make this relationship, this thriving thing you've given us, make it a blessing to all the families of the world. When we are a church full of healthy families and together are a unified, healthy family, we're going to change the world. I'd love to sit here and talk about how to share the gospel. These practices in the traveler's path are in this order for a reason. Worship wholeheartedly Give everything you've got to Jesus. Now, let's get healthy. Let's get healthy. Let's enjoy what God created us for. Let's fix our families in Jesus' name. 
Let's fix our marketplaces. Let's fix our neighborhoods. Let's fix our circles of influence. Let's fix our college. Let's fix our families so that we can go and bless the families of the world in Jesus' name. I want to ask you the same question we ask at the end of every week. What is your next step with Jesus today? If the Connect team would come up and prepare to pass out our elements, you guys come up and get ready. I want you to think about this congregation. What's your next step with Jesus today? If you're online, let us know. What is your next step with Jesus today? Take out your Connect card. You'll see that there's lots of ways to respond. Let us know it's your first time. We'll call you tomorrow. Love to hear more of your story. Nothing weird. Just want to get to know you. See how we can pray for you. It's a spot to write about that. Even though we had a membership class this morning, we'll have another one. Sign up. Maybe your next step is not on this card, though. And you know your relationships are a little bit messy. I want to give you a moment as we sing and worship to be changed and to be ready to give God our relationships that he might fix them and make us a blessing to the world. Let's pray together. Father, sometimes I hear a word like this and it sounds good, but I don't know what to do. I agree, but I'm not sure what to do next. Uh, maybe there's some, some folks like that today, just like me. Lord, put it in our hearts right now to agree with your word and to faithfully do whatever you're calling us to. Give us clarity on our next step, both with you and with one another. Give us clarity and give us courage to follow through. Give us courage to forgive. Give us courage to have a difficult conversation. Give us courage to lean into encouragement and affirmation for others. Give us courage to be the one that fixes the fight first. Give us courage to love even when someone frustrates us. Give us courage to bear with one another in things that make it difficult. In Jesus' name, amen.